Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you Answering the Call, offering a glimpse into the spiritual journeys of local priests, deacons, and religious. And now, Answering the Call with Elizabeth Ficcicelli. Hello, and thanks for joining us on Answering the Call here on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 and streaming to you at stgabrielradio.com. I'm your host, Elizabeth Ficicelli, and we so appreciate you joining us. Answering the Call gets uh, an opportunity for us to know some of our ordained clergy and religious in our diocese and learn about their faith journeys as they answered the call to serve our church. And my guest today is Father Seth Keller. He is the Associate Pastor of St. Cecilia's Catholic Church in Columbus, and I think this is a fitting first assignment for him as he has a personal history with St. Cecilia's and also has a love for music, and uh, which St. Cecilia, of course, is the patroness of. Uh, he's joining us today to share his vocation story as one of our more recently ordained priests in the diocese. So welcome, Father Keller, to Answering the Call. Hi, Elizabeth. So good to be with you today. It's a blessing to have you, Father. Um, I typically will start at the beginning. I mean, it's a great place to start vocation stories. And I know, Father, you came from a big Catholic family. So let's start there because it seems like your foundation in the faith was very much formed there. So tell us about your family. I am the oldest of eight children. Hmm. Uh, And as you alluded to, it it was uh, a very good Catholic foundation. I grew up, uh, you know, going to Mass every Sunday. You know, we prayed as a family, um, we were involved even outside of um, Sunday Mass in the life of the church um, through my parents being involved in music ministry and through um, a charismatic community that my family was involved in growing up. So we got to know lots of other um, Catholic families as well and people trying to live their faith. So for me, from, from a very early age, the faith was, uh, was something a lot more than um, you know, just an hour on Sunday, and really received a good foundation in just in the teachings of our faith, in the practice of our faith, and uh, for that, I'm I'm very grateful. That charismatic influence. How would you say that kind of breathed some life into your faith? I would say actually that was a huge part of of my faith faith early on. You know, as as a young person, obviously. Uh, well, for all of us, it takes time to get used to prayer, and sometimes when we start out, it can, it can be challenging. Um, I found the charismatic kind of focus on uh, praise and worship, uh, music, and uh, praying that way, and a, and a lot of uh, focus on the sacred scriptures to be very helpful. Um, I loved singing as a kid, and I, I still do uh, to this day, so that's something that is very much part of my spiritual life. Um, but actually growing up is interesting because I found I connected initially more with sort of that praise and worship uh, music uh, and times of prayer than I did with the Mass. Um, and it took time for me to, uh, you know, to see um, the preeminence of the Mass in our faith and, and to really uh, enter into that and to know our Lord in the Eucharist. But I think, uh, you know, I always believed, of course, that um, that our Lord was there in the Eucharist, but um, really, I think the charismatic foundation really helped me uh, to be open to God. And from an early age, I never, um, I never really saw God as uh, distant. I mean, of course, we all have times of, you know, 
uh, feeling him, uh, you know, not feeling him in our spiritual life or something like that. But I never, I always knew that God was a personal God, that God wanted a relationship with us. And that's something very much emphasized, of course, in uh, the charismatic spirituality. And so I'm very thankful for that. And uh, from so many people, examples I had in my family and in this community um, that were able to exemplify, you know, what it looked like to have a, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, because, of course, that's at the heart of everything we do uh, as Catholics. And I think that sometimes that gets, uh, that is seen as a, more of a Protestant thing, but it's very much mm-hmm. a Catholic thing. Absolutely. So your family, uh, back in the beginning, lived on the west side of Columbus. St. Cecilia's was your first parish. Um, how would you say your boyhood experience at the parish uh, was maybe another step and kind of a building on that family foundation and uh, to keep you in that faith and maybe to keep priesthood, you know, in, in the, the, the back of your mind, at least? I spent the first uh, 10 years or so of my life, up and right until after First Communion at St. Cecilia Church. So um, very important years of my life. I uh, can't say that I uh, have distinct memories of, of that much in that period, but I do remember um, the priest that we had during that time. Um, the pastor who baptized me, and uh, the first pastor I remember is Father Raymond LaRussa. Mm-hmm. Um, God rest his soul. He, yes. he this year um, passed away. But um, I remember, and he was just a very, uh, very personable, down-to-earth guy. And I remember as a little kid, you know, he would give us high fives after Mass. And <laughs> um, he would, you know, we would try to hit him as hard as we could. <laughs> and he would always act like it hurt him so much. Um <laughs> And so, you know, naturally that just spurred us on even more, um, myself and my, uh, and my brothers. So that was, that was just, you know, a little thing, but uh, a memory. And he was always very kind. And then uh, we had Father, Father Craig Eilerman was there. Sure. Um, and he's the pastor I remember probably best. And he's the one who gave me my first Holy Communion. Um, so, uh, and my family, of course, like I, I said, was involved in the music ministry. So I would see the priest more than just kind of, you know, the hour during mass, but, you know, before mass, after mass, kind of talking to my parents a little bit and, um, interacting with me. Uh, so that's just kind of the priesthood was there. I don't know if I was thinking directly about it at that time, but, um, it was just kind of that gentle influence of, of some of these good men, you know, who, who I did get to know probably more personally um, than, than most do. Um, so I'm very thankful for that, that foundation. And then we also had a couple other priests who were around, like Father uh, Jan Sullivan was in residence there at the time. So we would see um, other priests uh, in and out as well. But right. it just kind of set the foundation gently for, you know, what would become much more uh, direct in, you know, as I came to sense the call from God more clearly. You were homeschooled for a few years, uh, and then you attended Modern Day Academy. It's a small Catholic uh, school. You were there fourth to eighth grade. Um, talk about that a little bit and how that, again, now another building block. We have family, we have a parish, and now we have school that is all kind of forming you along the same path. So what was that influence like? Yeah, my time at uh, Modern Day Academy from fourth through eighth grade was uh, some of the most formative years of my life and. Um, so, so important for me in my, in my faith and in nourishing that, uh, that call from God and helping me to be open to that. It was, it's, 
It was a small, little Catholic school. Um, prayer and uh, the teaching of our faith was, uh, it, I mean, it just inundated the culture of the school. Uh, we prayed the rosary every day at school. We had Mass uh, often, like on First Fridays, we would either go down to um, some of the parishes downtown, or we would um, have a priest come in, usually one of the Dominican friars, uh, for, for Mass and confessions. Um, we had things like the May Crowning Devotion, other things, so many things that just helped kind of enliven the faith, these beautiful devotions. And I would say um, maybe one of the most important things about my time at Modern Day was um, we were taught the, the old Baltimore Catechism, uh, which I know a lot don't uh, learn anymore, but of course a lot of our um, older listeners would remember learning the Baltimore Catechism, you know, kind of the question-answer format. And yes. Uh, everything of, of learning the faith, and that was huge for me. We, our principal, uh, Mrs. Epic, she's a wonderful lady from St. Patrick's, and she would um, go around and personally take time to teach each one of us um, the Baltimore Catechism. You know, and we had to memorize the faith. We had to know the faith, and uh, she taught us about the lives of the saints um, and so many other things. Um, so. And and she was just a very uh, um, very uh, friendly and kind, uh, but strict uh, uh, principal. And she she really taught me a lot about the faith, and I'm so thankful for that. And I think she saw in me that potential vocation. And she was always very clear to all the boys at the school about that God was calling some of us. She would say things like, you know, God is certainly calling some some of you in this room to be priests mm-hmm. or some of you, you ladies in this room to be sisters. And she was always very clear about that. And so it was nice to have that direct, you know, um, invitation to consider that possibility. Um, so I'm so thankful for that, that formation there at Mater Dei Academy. We're talking with Father Seth Keller. He is the associate pastor of St. Cecilia's Parish in Columbus and our guest today on Answering the Call here on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio, AM820. I'm your host, Elizabeth Ficacelli. So after those very fruitful years, uh, your high school would be uh, St. Charles Prep School. And I know that's a time of um, discernment about what you're doing with your future. All, all the, you know, children or students, they're not children, really. They're teens and, you know, thinking about what are we doing with our life. So um, kind of take us to high school years, uh, because I know during that time you were also getting involved in things like Catholic Youth Summer Camp. So how would your high school years kind of uh, then play a role in uh, what was happening with a potential vocation that was uh, budding within you? I would say that my high school years were... Uh, just a, a continued deepening of that, the call of the Lord in my life. Um, I think, in general, my vocation has unfolded sort of gradually, you know, being there in kind of a seed form in the beginning and just being nourished by what we've already talked about. But then in high school, you know, obviously you're trying to figure out about yourself and your future and what you want to do with your life, and those questions become uh, more real. Um, and obviously, too, you know, uh, in a high school environment, you know, all the students are questioning about important things about our faith, about God, about, our, you know, the meaning of life and things like that. And a lot of that is um, natural for me. I was thankful that, you know, I never, although I was, you know, kind of trying to learn more about the faith and questioning God's purpose for my life, I was still very solid in my faith and um, never stopped practicing and believing in the faith. Um, although, of course, you have 
um, you know, we all have struggles in that belief, but um, I was able to nourish my faith uh, in my time there at St. Charles, and uh, I was also involved in youth groups and, um, as you mentioned, Catholic Youth Summer Camp and a number of other things with uh, other young people who were trying to live their faith as well. So all those experiences contributed to my deepening, uh, you know, in my knowledge of of God's call in my life. Um, but it really came especially through prayer. You know, as my prayer life deepened, I learned more that prayer is not just asking the Lord for, for things, but it's even more listening to him speak and uh, pondering his voice in the scriptures and trying to understand what he's trying to say to us. Um, and I think, for me, a really profound experience that I had at Catholic Youth Summer Camp, I believe it was my senior year, but um, junior or senior year, where we were in time of quiet adoration. They used to have adoration outside on the beach um, at Catholic Youth Summer Camp, and I was just there in the quiet as the sun was setting and just looking at our Lord of the Monstrance and having an experience, you know, very calm, nothing, you know, uh, crazy mystical experience, none of that, but just a deep abiding sense that God loved me and that I was, uh, you know, a son of God. And it just gave me a lot of peace. And from that, just kind of, you know, really learning to accept, you know, if, if God was calling me to the priesthood, then that's the best thing for me. Um, for a long time, although, like I said, I wasn't away from the faith, but I was definitely sort of, the priesthood as I got older got to be something I was like, okay, Lord, um, you might be ca- calling me to be a priest, but uh, maybe there's something else, right? It, it was a sort of uh, not running from the faith, but running a little bit from the call uh, because I didn't know if, you know, Will that life as a priest make me happy? Will it bring me joy? Will it fulfill me? And that question was kind of, I was wrestling with in prayer with God. But that experience at Catholic Summer Camp and a number of other experiences of prayer with the Lord um, just helped me to understand that, you know, if he was calling me, that, that this truly would be a life that was fulfilling and joyful. You know, thinking about the priesthood and actually taking the next step to test that calling are two different things. Uh, it's a big thing to ponder at the age of 17 or 18, you know, you're graduating high school and all. Um, I know you got involved in net ministries. Uh, what was what was the sum effect of that year for you in your vocation? Yeah, right after high school, um, you know, I was still, again, kind of wavering, you know, what, what should I do thinking about the priesthood, but not knowing what, you know, where I should go. I had pondered at one point being a lawyer, but I didn't ponder that very long. <laughs> and then I ended up, uh, I was thinking about being a youth minister. So all these things, and I thought, you know, maybe uh, just taking some time to do some missionary work and taking a year off of school and all of that would help me to figure out which direction to go. So I uh, ended up doing uh, net ministries, going around leading retreats. And that was a great time of prayer and discernment in my life. And I was heavily praying about my vocation during that year and what God wanted. And a powerful moment for me uh, during that year was when I did a novena to St. Therese of the Child Jesus, St. Therese of Lisieux, um, who I just started to kind of have a devotion to at that time. And, of course, she's very famous for praying for priests. And I did a novena to her. And uh, long story short, 
she kind of gave me a sign. That's a longer story, but uh, <laughs> she gave me a sign that I needed. I knew, you know, I had wanted to know my vocation, and that's why I did this novena, this nine-day, uh, you know, set of prayers to her. But I didn't, in the end, find out, you know, definitively my vocation. I just knew that, all right, I need to enter the seminary. I need to take that next step to discern with the church, you know, if this is God's plan for me. And I felt immense peace at that. Um, but then it wouldn't be another year or so until I actually did enter because I felt the Lord kind of leading me towards um, to something else. And I uh, ended up taking a year when I came back from that to work in youth ministry at St. Francis de Sales Church in Newark. And during that year, the Lord knew that I needed that because being a youth minister was also on my mind. And that was a great year. But at the end of it, you know, well, actually within a couple months of, of beginning that, I knew, all right, this is not what the Lord has for me. There's something more he wants for my life. And that gave me kind of the final push to to do the application and to enter the seminary. And then the following fall, fall of 2013, I entered the seminary at the Josephinum. You know, we've heard many times on this program that entering the seminary is uh, still a step in the discernment process. It's not a done deal. So explain the process that seminary plays in the discernment process. Sure. Um, so kind of what you do before seminary, I would call pre-discernment. It's, uh, you know, it, the real discernment happens once you enter seminary and then you discern with the church because, you know, just like in marriage, you would discern, you wouldn't just discern that you're called to marriage kind of abstractly. You'd have to discern that with another person um, through, through dating and, uh, you know, all of that. So, so it's kind of similar in the seminary in that you may feel that God is calling you to the priesthood, but that has to be kind of fleshed out and authenticated by the church because you're becoming a minister of the church. Um, so the church is the one who, through, through the Holy Spirit's guidance, really kind of authenticates that vocation that, yes, you are called to be a priest. And um, there's not necessarily just one step that in, where that's done. Um, it's ultimately done on the ordination day, but through the different priests that help you and for, help form you into a better candidate for the priesthood, your different professors, your spiritual directors, um, things like that, you, you come, they come to know you and, and then on behalf of the church to affirm that call um, to the priesthood. Um, so went through college seminary there at the Josephinum and got my undergrad degree in philosophy. And during that time, it's a lot of, um, you know, just learning how to be a good Christian Catholic man and have a uh, life of prayer and living, you know, the life of, of the church through uh, daily mass and regular confession and adoration of the Blessed Sacrament, things like that. And um, having then that philosophical foundation um, to go study theology. And then finally, you know, the kind of discernment there is mostly is the strong of, is the call of God strong in my life, strong enough in my life for me to continue on to enter uh, what we would call major seminary there to, to study theology and then to discern even further as you more closely approach ordination. And then there's more steps uh, in when you study theology over the years that help, uh, again, where you commit to continuing your formation or where you become a lector and an acolyte um, and then 
uh, finally, where you petition to be ordained a deacon and then a priest. In all those steps, there's discernment. Um, but for me, it was a very gradual process of the Lord. Just once I entered, you know, there was great peace. There right. was there are of course moments of uh, suffering or you know spiritual chaos, but but throughout it, throughout it all, underneath was peace, great peace. And so I knew, and I just asked the Lord, you know, if you want me to be a priest. Or if you if you don't want me to be a priest, you need to show me that because um, I feel that this is your will for me now, and I'm at peace. I think um, it's that was a, my kind of yeah, method moving through seminary. Yeah, and I think that's such a great prayer. You know, we often ask, uh, you know, if it's your will, show me. But you know, he also closes doors, you know, and 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 changes the direction. If if it's not right, let me know. And I think maybe that was such a unique prayer approach for you. And that really helped you have that sense because you weren't getting any billboards that said, uh, take this exit now, you know? Um, so you just kept going and trusting that he would tell you if and when it was time to leave the Josephinum. And apparently that was not, you know, his plan. His plan was for you uh, to continue on to your ordination uh, in June of 2020. So I, I thought that was a, a very good uh, prayer approach and uh, s- certainly seemed to um, uh, bless your seminary experience. Um, we're not going to have time to delve into all the things you've done, but just as a snapshot for our listeners. So during your formation years, uh, I know you were still involved in Catholic Youth Summer Camp. You were uh, had assignments at like Sacred Heart in New Philadelphia, Immaculate Conception in Denison, Holy Trinity in Zor, uh, Christ the King, Holy Name, Santa Cruz. You were at Poland uh, for World Youth Day and Costa Rica for a Spanish immersion. So, boy, I don't know if anyone ever thinks seminary is boring because these are all such great experiences. And as I said, then you were ordained 2020 right in the middle of the dreaded, the, uh, dreaded COVID year. Uh, did it take away from the day in any in any way for you? You know, leading up to it, it was, uh, I mean, I'll be honest, it was very frustrating, Um you know, not being able to have everyone there, um, you know, as I was planning things, getting things ready. But the day itself uh, was just um, God's hands um, and God's grace was just upon everything. And all the details were just just all worked out um, by his grace. Um, and, uh, and it helped me to focus on the most important thing, which, you know, the priest, um, the priest is not ordained for himself. The priest is ordained for service of God and and the people of God and the church and uh, the the way everything worked out with this year it just helped me to put the focus on what really matters that you know what is what does it mean to be ordained uh, and to get back to the heart of the priesthood and so I was so thankful for that even though it was uh, a frustrating experience that the Lord just used it all for to help me as I, you know, was ordained and then began my priestly ministry. Any particular high moments, high points of that ordination mass? Um, you know, I would say too when you're when you're lying prostrate on the ground during the litany of saints. Oh, you yeah. know, it's it, it represents a total offering of your life to God. You know, and mm. uh, and the only other time we really do that liturgically is is Good Friday, Good Friday. Um, yes. you know, so we're uniting ourselves with the Lord's death in order to give people spiritual life through the sacrament. So that was a moving experience. Um, and then finally, at the end of Mass, um, it's like, this is like the only time where the priest gives the bishop a blessing. Uh, and he, 
the, the bishop is always the first one to receive the, uh, the first blessing of the newly ordained priests. And then the bishop um, kisses your hands, and that's mm. uh, just a sign because he anointed your hands with the chrism to celebrate the Eucharist to forgive sins in the confessional. And so um, that was a beautiful experience of, uh, with Bishop Brennan and seeing how moved he was at um, being on the other side, so to speak, uh, and, and ordaining priests. And it just, uh, you know, to see that father-son relationship in terms of, you know, the bishop is, is my spiritual father. And uh, it was just very beautiful to see uh, that at work in the ordination ceremony and, and just uh, the gift of that ordination is a spiritual uh, fatherhood and seeing that in my, my bishop and then in, in me as a newly ordained priest. So That's beautiful. And uh, your first assignment, fittingly, is St. Cecilia's. What a, a beautiful um, homecoming for you where seeds were planted for your vocation. I know you also serve as a chaplain over at Bishop Reedy High School. So here you are able to witness to other young people about vocations. Um, just real quick, what advice do you give young men and women contemplating a, uh, a vocation? The main advice I can give is, is just do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Um, fear leads us in, into ourselves. Fear leads us to isolate. And, uh, you know, we, the, the will of God is something that can appear frightening at times, but it's the will of a God who loves us infinitely. And so his plan is never for, um, for evil for us. It, his plan is always for our good, for our well-being, for our happiness. And so the more we dive deep into uh, a relationship with him in prayer and the more we sincerely ask him, what he is asking us to do with our lives, and the more we, with confidence and courage, listen for that, for that voice. And I think that's the hardest part, because even when we want to follow the will of God, we sometimes say, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? And then, then we kind of just say, okay, well, I've heard enough, right? Or I don't, to go deeper is, is, it is scary sometimes, because the Lord asks us to give, but he only asks us to give because he wants to pour his blessings upon us and through that gift, turn our lives into something beautiful uh, for him and uh, for, for his glory and for the salvation of souls. And so if, if God is calling you to the priesthood, um, for anyone listening or um, any young person, that, you know, don't be afraid of that call because it's a beautiful call. It's a, sacri it's a sacrifice but it's also a gift, oh, and, and, uh, and God will give you what you need to, to follow that call. Father Seth Keller, your, your presence has been such a gift. Can you give us your quick blessing, please? Sure. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That was Father Seth Keller, St. Cecilia's. This is Elizabeth Vicicelli answering the call. Join us next week. God bless. Answering the Call is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820. Archives of Answering the Call with Elizabeth Ficcicelli are available at stgabrielradio.com.